very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. It's uh, Saturday morning. The sure sun is. is shining. And Pori Corkin has a smile on his face. Good morning to you. <laughs> Good morning, dear to Kelly. Good morning, <laughs> listeners. Why wouldn't I be smiling this morning? When I pulled up the, the, outside the door this morning, <laughs> I saw the shade down. So I said, that's a good sign. That's a sign we're in for a yeah, sunny Yeah, the window day. blind. If the window blind, blind is, down is down in the studio, things are good because the Absolutely. sun is so strong coming in that we have to pull it down or otherwise we can't see anything. But it's a beautiful morning it out is, there. It is, yeah. Nice, heavy dew last night. So A little and bit of frost, I think. There was a little bit of frost, frost in my car, but that was much earlier. Yeah, so well gone yeah, at this stage. That's it, yeah. yeah. So it's burned off already. And uh, look, at it's, it's great gardening weather. I'm actually delighted to see that little drop of rain during the week. I think it has freshened things up. My own lawn, I just had a look at it getting into the car this morning. You can see that touch of green coming back into it. Um, so the fertiliser is beginning to work. And uh, with the warmer temperatures now, we're going to see significant growth in the next couple of, of days and weeks. You'll be surprised how quickly Good. things will burst forward because it's it's at least three or four weeks Oh, late. it's way at behind. Least, yeah, I, I, I think everybody's really looking forward to seeing yeah. um, some yeah. leaves. And I was talking to somebody yesterday evening and no more than that, they were saying like, the winter time has gone on for such a long time. Things are tough enough, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things in the country at the moment that yep. we kind of need, you know, the regular things like spring to come at the normal heat, time. A bit of, a bit of heat, a bit yeah. of warmth. Well, it's um, certainly there today anyway and uh, great, great gardening weather. So if listeners are thinking about planting or, or feeding or mowing the grass to look at today is going to be a great day to do that. All of those jobs. Yes, yes. And, and make yes. use of that yeah. dry weather. I think I'm, I said this last week mm. that things like, you know, applying fertilizers, applying weed killers and um, just getting back out into the garden digging over the soil even with a bit of moisture it's still the, the soil is, is still relatively dry for digging over and preparing so it's it's going to be a good weekend for doing those sort of jobs okay now we have a busy program lined up but you yeah. also have a busy weekend on we because you've got a hedging weekend, weekend yeah on. i mentioned this last week we have two things on this weekend in our garden center in turlock we have mr osmo's down our lawn expert so if people are uh, and i know there are lots of people mm. with people with uh, difficulties with lawns at the moment they are still very hungry, full of mm. moss, full of weeds. So Mr. Osmo is joining us today and tomorrow down in Turlock in the Garden Centre. It's a free day in the centre if people want to come down, talk to them about what they should do with their lawns. If they want to bring pictures in, all the better with all those smartphones. Indeed. Take a few pictures, bring them in. Um, and he'll talk to people about moss control, how to how to eradicate moss, how to feed the lawn without forcing it and how to get rid of those weeds. So that's a, a, a particularly good weekend and um, use the opportunity. He's travelled all the way um, to come down and see us, and uh, so so he's available in the week in the garden centre from now yeah. uh, today and tomorrow, uh, and also if, if listeners are thinking about putting in new lawns, he'll talk them through exactly how to prepare the soil, what fertiliser to put in before you put on your seed and what seed mix, mixtures to use. So if you have a shaded area or you have a, a full sun area or you want a really fine lawn or whatever, yeah. um, he'll talk to you about the different mixes of, of lawn seed to use as well. So that's a free day today and we also have our hedging experts in the garden centre because again, we're coming to the time of year where people are thinking about cutting back hedges, maybe trimming them back, maybe putting in new hedges, replacing old damaged hedges. So again, we have a hedging weekend today and tomorrow in the centre as well. And we've brought in some larger hedging plants to give people, sometimes, you know, when you look at the small, say, Prunus lusitanica, the Portuguese lore, when you look at that as a small plant, it's hard to envisage mm, what it's going to be that's like. That's a great idea, actually, yeah. yeah. So we've brought in some kind of mature plants for people to see, well, in five or six years' time, this is how it's going to look as a formal hedge. Um, so there's good, some good examples. So pop down if you're if you're um, around the Castlebar area, pop into the garden centre today or tomorrow and uh, you can talk to our lawn expert and hedging people. Great stuff. The other thing, we've just come out of a series of gardening classes yeah, okay. in the centre, yeah. And uh, we had 70 people on a gardening course this year. Um, so, and, and, and great response 
from, from the listeners in terms of uh, they were very happy. We did a four-week, kind of a nice short four-week uh, course, one day a week, and covering things like Grow Your Own, Hanging right. baskets and yeah. containers, um, lawn care, trees and shrubs, what to do in the garden, really, I suppose, coming into the spring. So I've decided to run another series, another four weeks um, at the end of April. Right. And again, I'm going to offer the, the, the classes free. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and we're, Very we're, looking, we're looking for 50 people. Okay. Now, what I'd like to, to invite are beginner gardeners, please those that are just getting into gardening or, or novice gardeners or just maybe want to, they know a little bit but like to improve, maybe add a few more skills to, to the armory, then they're the people we're looking for because the classes will be kept very simple, uh, really telling people how to get into gardening and just improving on, on their skills that they have at the moment. So we're looking for 50 people. Ring this number 09490 Ring that now for the next hour. So it's 09490 If you ring that number, leave your name and address and uh, we'll get back to you. And the first 50 people um, will we'll put on a gardening class for four weeks, one night a week. Um, running from around the end of the last week of April through to mid-May. So it's the real gardening time. And it'll all be about topics that are topical. Current at the moment. Seasonal, topical. But we'll be keeping the information nice and simple, easy to put into use straight away so it won't be too technical. So improvers and beginners, please. Okay. One more more time with that number? That number is 09490 It's our number there in in Turlock. The other thing we had, uh, which was great yesterday, we had our first group tour. Oh, how from, did that from go? Glenna from Glenamadi. From Glenamadi. Good morning not, to all the folks in Glenamadi yeah, this it's morning. Not our, it's not our winners. They are coming on the on oh, the twenty fourth right. of um, of April. So we're really looking forward to the. <laughs> so to the that must be nearly the whole of Glenamadi. Well, yeah. Well, so we had a group rang us last uh, couple of weeks back to come down. So we had uh, thirty eight, I think, from Glenamadi. Great. And uh, great day. Really enjoyed. They really enjoyed the day. It was a, a series of of. Um, gardening lessons. They also visit the Museum of National Country Life, look to the gardens there, back for lunch in the Bailey restaurant and then some more gardening for the for the afternoon. So I think they really enjoyed the day and it was great. It was a great first tester. We were wondering how well it would work and you know yourself, you're, yes. you're, it's a little trepidation yeah, to see how and this is actually going to go Sometimes things down. are a little bit trial and error <laughs> yeah. with uh, something that's kind of happening for the first time anyway. But the feedback yeah. was, was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So we have another five groups next week. And um, it's kind of chocolate block for. Well, April. I was going to say that sounds a very busy yeah, week coming yeah. up, right? So uh, retired teachers groups and all sorts of groups are actually coming to the, okay. the centre next week. So again, if 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 there are groups out there that would like to come, maybe in May. Again, if you ring the garden centre zero nine four nine zero three one four three five, ring that maybe later on today. And if you want to book a group in for for May, we'll be certain to take oh, well. And again, it's, it's a free day. Um, it, we ask the groups to put the bus on themselves, but once they come, um, we look after the, uh, the the advice and information and bringing them up to the museum and so on. Fantastic. Well, I know a few uh, active age groups that might be interested in that and we'll mention it to them. Now that the weather has picked up, and, well, it's I time to get out I there. I don't think that stops the active age groups one way or another. I think the weather is uh, irrelevant. Yeah, 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 they, they get, get out, out anyway. and about regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's been a busy week. So um, remember the lawn and hedging weekend and uh, the gardening night classes. So maybe we'll take a few questions. We'll we? take a few questions. Yeah. Well, actually, the first crossed. question came in at around 20 past. Seven this oh morning, I said, oh my goodness, well. it's going to be one of those days. I know it's great to have them and great to get them. And you know what? We might just do uh, that very first uh, 25 question if we might, yeah. first of all. And it's to do with a liquid, liquid amber tree. Okay, um, somebody moved their liquid amber last November. They're okay. wondering, what did they feed it with? Is it too late to trim it? Um, so... Uh, that it has the same shape all around. Great show. And it's Strokestown, listener. Good morning. Yeah, well, liquid amber, first of all, beautiful tree. Mm. Um, really, really attractive.
of a plant and, and a relatively easy tree to grow and it, it does very well here in the west of Ireland um, and colours up beautiful amber colours uh, like a Virginia creeper around o- October, November sort of December period. Um, easy to grow. It hasn't come into leaf yet. Right. Uh, it's late this year and um, really to feed it I would just use uh, a good tree and shrub fertiliser. Osmo Pro 6 would be very good. It's a good granulated feed that can be spread around the base of the the um, liquid amber and it can be used on, on general trees and shrubs as well. Okay. So give it a good, maybe two handfuls if it's a relatively strong tree. You can prune it. It's still okay to prune it back and uh, just cut back to an outward facing bud and again keep that nice symmetrical. It tends to have a a fairly um, conical shape. Right, I was wondering, I I, I actually have to be honest, I probably know it if I saw it but off the top of my head I'm not identifying it with a particular look. I better look it up. Um, The leaf is like like a maple. It's it's about the shape of your, about Mm. the size of your hand and the shape of your hand. It's got that maple type texture and people often associate it with with a maple. It has that, I suppose it grows like a maple the leaf is very similar to a maple. It'll make a medium-sized tree, anything up to 15, maybe 18 feet, depending on, on the garden. Um, lovely green leaves in the, in, the, in the spring and summer period, but in the autumn, it really comes to its fore, that beautiful autumn scarlet okay. colour. Um, liquid amber, as, as the name suggests. Uh, yes, it's yeah. like liquid amber. Great name, isn't it? It is, actually. And uh, so easy to grow. Grows in ordinary garden soil. Um, nice, like generally you'd grow it as a standard tree, a nice clean stem and that conical shape then so a clean stem for maybe four or five feet so I would always take off the lower branches up to four or five feet and then by all means the listener can cut back the branches uh, equal e- equal on both sides of the tree to keep that nice um, conical shape on right. the tree and uh, it's easy to grow it doesn't really suffer from pests and diseases um, it's just a really nice nice tree so a little, Good time to plant a little bit well. of a feed and a little bit of a trim and a little bit of Osmo Pro 6 around the base of it prune it by all means you could refeed it again maybe in uh, early May June you know that sort of period again during wet weather and it'll be beautiful this autumn Okay, now somebody has a potato question. I say we're going to have a few of these today. Uh, Just putting in the spuds this morning and dreading it because the stalks grow three foot tall. What general fertiliser do they put uh, with them? They don't have any organic stuff and they have a raised bed. Okay, well, first of all, well, you, it depends on the variety of potato that you use. Some varieties tend to have shorter, more compact uh, stalks. Stalk. So if you, you know, if you want to, there, there are certainly, um, even some of the, the Sapromira varieties, mm. uh, Golden Wonder also tends to be a shorter variety. So you can get varieties with, with shorter stems, as it were, but they'll still grow at two feet, two and a half feet in height. Really, when using fertilisers, I would use um, something like Vitex Q4, which is very good for vegetables and particularly good for potatoes. Um, or Seamongus would be very good. The um, the seaweed-based mm. fertiliser, very good on potatoes as well. So a good granulated feed because potatoes are hungry and they do need feeding. So put the fertiliser in when you're planting the potato um, and then as you're moulding the potato up during the growing season, say at the end of April, early May, you're adding soil up along the drill, put in a second dressing of the Vitex Q4 or the Seamongus and that keeps the growth going. The other thing with raised beds with potatoes, if we do get into a dry period, yeah. um, in certainly around June, July, make sure you irrigate them very well. They need copious amounts of water um, and during the growing season, particularly coming up to flowering. When you see the potatoes, you know, two feet high, the flower buds being formed, that's when they need lots of watering. So good drenching in dry weather. And if you get those two elements, if you feed them well and water them well in dry weather, then you'll have a great crop of potatoes. So the Vitex Q4 would be ideal. Great time to plant them. Don't worry about the night frost. The bit of frost at night time will not damage the potatoes once planted. Okay. So... 
and somebody else just on that potatoes for yeah. now. We're not going to spend all day talking Go about on. spuns, but uh, we'll get them out of the way at the start. Somebody is wondering potatoes that got blighted last year. Can they set them in the same ground this year? You can. Yeah, it's that, not a problem. That doesn't. It doesn't no, blight, stay in the ground necessarily. Well, it, it will stay on. It will stay on tubers that may be in the soil. Right. So if there were old tubers there, or um, you know, any kind of old bits of stems, they need to be removed, mm. dug out of the soil. Mm. But generally, the blight is spread by spores. So it's airborne. It's airborne. It's airborne. But if you but you can have a residual. Say sometimes you might dump the potatoes into a pit or into an area in the garden, mm. and if they were blighted last year, they can act as a source of blight this year. But if if you're using the same piece of ground, my advice is just to clean off the soil, dig out any old tubers that might be in it, clean off the soil and plant them in. And maybe, you know, to be extra careful, you can also look for some of the blight-resistant varieties like Satanta that I often mention or the Sapramira varieties, which are very good against blight. But blight is airborne, so it's spread by moisture and um, high temperatures and that clammy, wet weather we get during the summer period, that's when you get the spread of blight. You won't hear blight mentioned until around June, early July, August sort of period when you get that bammy days and moisture levels where the leaves are wet and the blight spreads on, on air. So right. it's airborne rather than, rather uh, than retaining yeah. retained in the soil. But certainly if there were old tubers or old stems or old bits of leaves of the previous crop, then I would m- remove all of that. Okay, great. But generally speaking, you should really be growing where you grew potatoes last year. You should be putting in a different crop if possible, putting in maybe cabbage or peas. Peas would be actually very good because they fix nitrogen into the soil. Growing the same crop and the same piece of ground each year after year, you're depleting the nutrition in the soil. So the potatoes use the same nutrition every year. So it's it's better to move the crop to a new piece of ground if possible uh, or grow a different crop where you had potatoes. So where you grew, grew your carrots and parsnips and, and cabbage last year, that's where to put the spuds in this year and fertilise the soil really well. Okay, so it kind of use a bit of crop rotation. Crop as such. rotation is the word. <laughs> without getting too technical. <laughs> I, Move remember, it around. I remember that from my history books. Exactly, yeah. Move them move them around because growing the same thing, yeah, you, you do build up a certain level of pests and diseases yeah. and, and obviously you're, you're robbing the soil of the same nutrition. Okay. So move them about. Small patch in a shaded area, sun in the morning, what kind of vegetables can oh, this yeah. person sow? Well, look at, in general speaking, it depends on the level of shade, but if they're getting sun in the morning, the, the, the rule of thumb is if it bears, um, if it's a root crop, mm-hmm. Uh, or it bears fruit, then grow it, grow it in full sun. So any of the leafier crops like cabbage, lettuce, um, broccoli, Swiss chard, anything like that that is a leafier crop or you're eating the leaves, stems or the in, bro- in the broccoli case, the flower buds, they'll tolerate some levels of shade. The fact that it gets morning sun, if it's getting three to five hours of sun, then you'll grow quite a wide range of stuff. Of stuff. So right. it doesn't have to be in the baking sun all day yeah. long. But it does need, you know, there is a difference between shade, yes. <laughs> where it's dark, where, where really vegetables won't tolerate, uh, and there's that that um, difference between kind of dappled shade or morning sun, where it's getting maybe three or four hours of sunlight, then you'll quite happily grow quite a wide range of vegetables. So lettuce, onions, uh, all the leaf crops, all the salad crops will grow perfectly okay. Carrots will struggle, um, parsnips will struggle, peas will actually do quite well in shade, beans will do quite well in shade. So both of those w- could be tried. So for me, I would grow things like radish, lettuce, onions, peas, beans, cabbage, lettuce, uh, broccolis, cauliflower, those sort of plants will tolerate a reasonable degree or, you know, certainly half-day shade or dappled shade, no problem whatsoever. 
Okay. We're going to take a quick little break. Uh, we've loads of questions, but you can keep them coming to us. Um, it's 87 if you're texting with thanks to CNC Cellular, where switching your mobiles to Vodafone is easy at any of their nine stores around the region. Or if you want to give us a call, we're keeping Teresa very busy this morning on 0818-3055. We're back in a few moments. Okay, we have a great range of questions in. And we also uh, have uh, some photographs in on the email. Lovely. Um, So we touched on this a little bit, but it's great to see the actual pictures now uh, last week uh, on the programme. Some Tuyas, am I right? Tuyas tomorrow, yeah. yeah. The nice cone-shaped Tuya. And somebody who's had them, who's got a great range of them in their garden. They've planted them as a hedge, which is a great idea because they make this nice informal, or formal, I should say, hedge. A nice formal hedge without trimming. So that's Tuyas tomorrow. Or the Tui Emerald. Okay, Unfortunately, so there are two plants there with Phytophthora, which is a root disorder, uh, which can affect conifers in general. Right. And what you see on the plant, and, and it's interesting that the two trees that are affected are side by side, and you can see the browning coming out on the exterity of the okay. of the conifer and starting from the bottom up. So Phytophthora is a root disorder. It's where the roots start to rot and um, it, it spread underground so it'll actually spread to the other trees if left untreated. Okay. So the, what the thing to do is to dig out those two plants. Yeah, this is Mary and Roscommon incidentally. Okay, so Mary needs to dig out those two plants because that, that phytophthora will spread up through the tree. As you can see it's spreading already. It's probably two and a half feet or three feet yeah. up from the base. <clears throat> you, you treat the soil then with our millitox to sterilise the soil and then you can replant Mary will be able to get two other Thuya emeralds, maybe four foot, five feet high. You can buy them as, as quite mature plants to put back into that area um, to, 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 to fill it back in. So it's it's unfortunately a disorder of, of most, a lot of conifers can get it. It's contained in the soil. It's a disease that attacks the roots right. and you get that browning all on the exterity of the of the conifer. It's quite visible there on the, on the photograph. So take um, them out and then treat them with, our, treat with the, the soil, area with our melatox. Treat the soil, yeah. It'd be no harm to take some of the soil out as well. Right. Put in some fresh topsoil. Just treat the soil then with some our melatox as a drench which will, will um, cleanse the soil um, and uh, it's then safe to replant. And now, now, now would be a good time to actually put some new plants in. But get it tackled now because do it it now. it'll spread oh, yeah. otherwise. It would spread on to the others. Okay. Can yeah. do. Yeah. It doesn't look like uh, all of the trees are... No, it doesn't actually. It's just, just seems from the to angles be, that, that she sent it in. It seems to be the first two that yeah, are, okay. are affected. Okay. And, and does it is there anything that introduces it to the soil in the first instance? No, it just, it, it's just a disorder. It just is a disease that can actually get affect the root system of okay. plants, particularly conifers. And, um, and it can affect other trees as well. But right. particularly conifers are... Are um, affected by it, and that's very symptomatic. That browning uh, on the exterity as it spreads up through the base of the conifer. Okay, now it, the sun is shining today, and yes, people thankfully. are thinking about their window boxes. Already, Boric. right? So Good. somebody would yeah. like to know: Is it too early to plant up window boxes and baskets? They'd like the plants to flower in late June. So when should they start planting? Yeah, you could. You can start. The plants are available at the moment. Things like trailing petunias and bacopa and fuchsias and all those. Um, the bedding plants are avail- available now. I would plant them up as long as you've got a nice sheltered area to to house them in, somewhere like a a greenhouse or tunnel or a a conservatory or somewhere that you can actually place them out of the night frost. Um, So if you want to plant them early, if you haven't got that sort of area, then leave it for certainly till about the first week of May. Uh, but certainly the, the, you could start making an early start if you've got somewhere protective to keep the, the baskets um, or somewhere maybe to put them out during the day in a sunny sheltered area and bring, bring them back in at night time. You could certainly do that. But 
But any time from now on, you're coming into the hanging basket season. A little tip for people is when they are buying the, the trailing petunias mm-hmm. or the pacopas, pinch them back. Pinch back the little green stems. Take, you know, about an inch off every stem. Because if by doing that, you encourage the plants to produce side shoots. And on those side shoots, you get a lot more flower. So when you buy the plants, just simply pinch them back. Start planting them up now into your hanging baskets and containers. Use a good quality compost, um, something like John Ennis, uh, number two, compost and mix some slow release fertilizer through it. You can buy small, a, a small container of slow release fertilizer which will feed the basket then for a six month period. Okay. So mix the soil up well. Put in a, in a typical hanging basket I would use anything up to eight or nine plants. Put them in, pack them in well, pinch them back and grow them on in a sheltered sunny area or if you're lucky enough to have a tunnel greenhouse that's the perfect location for them now. Spot on. Um, now, somebody's wondering, this is, uh, you'll have to explain what this is to me now. How can I proper, uh, propagate my dicentra using root cuttings? What's dicentra? Dicentra spectabilis. Well, isn't it that sounds a great, fantastic. That a great, isn't it? And it is a lovely plant. It's a plant what is it? It's a plant called the bleeding heart. Okay. It's a herbaceous border plant. It grows, It's it, it'll be coming into flower actually fairly soon now. Okay. But it's, it's well named bleeding heart because the flowers are red yeah. and they're heart shaped. And they come on a, on a kind of a raceme of flower. So it's a very delicate, attractive plant, quite hardy. Planted out of doors, it'll grow anything between two and a half feet, maybe three feet All in right, height. Yeah. And it flowers late spring, early summer. So it'll be coming into flower. It's late this season, but generally it, it comes into flower mid-April, May sort of period. It comes in a white variety as well. So what was the question again? <laughs> How do you propagate? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. So it can be propagated by a, a number of different methods. Seed, first yeah. of all. Mm-hmm. But seed is obviously a long process. Division by dividing it up and the time to divide it is actually after flowering so wait a bit like the daffodils wait till the flowers go off the dicentra dig it up at the the middle towards the end of May you can split the plant quite easily and transplant it elsewhere the other way you can propagate it is by root cuttings so you can actually take a piece of root split it up like you would a, a normal cutting Put, plant them up into small pots mm. and grow it on that way. Okay. So it's a really easy plant to grow. Very nice, very attractive thing. Um, bleeding heart is a common name. Dicentra spectabilis is, and as the name su- su- suggests, it's spectacular. spectacular. Yes. Well, it's, yeah, it's quite a nice, attractive. <laughs> Dicentra uh, spectabilis. spectabilis. Yeah. So spectabilis. Yeah. And as you can tell, I did not do Latin <laughs> Nor in school. Nor did I. But <laughs> you I just sound had, like I, you might have, though. <laughs> um, very good. Okay, so bleeding heart, that's it. I have to look that up. It sounds lovely. Lovely plant, yeah. <clears throat> Somebody has azaleas <clears throat> now, they got them flowered indoors can okay. they put them out now I wouldn't just yet okay. um, the nights are too cold you'll lose the flowers um, so keep them in, enjoy them inside keep them somewhere cool if you can as all possible and keep them nearly sitting in water when they're in flower so azaleas when they're flowering they le- literally t- take copious amounts of water so nearly nearly replicate the outdoor spring conditions which are cool temperatures and plenty of moisture indoors so somewhere cool indoors reasonably bright location uh, and leave them sitting in water. And once they go out of flower in about another two weeks' time, that's the time to put them outside. Perfect. Somebody is wondering, can we suggest, you suggest, sorry, some d- different sweet-flavoured uh, tomatoes? They generally grow the moneymaker type, but they'd like oh, yeah. a bit of a change. Well, moneymaker is the old, the real great old-fashioned tomato which produces the large... The good uh, old Irish tomato. The good old Irish tomato. You know, the flavour might be the fantastic. The one you used to have on the salad <laughs> when you were a kid. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. The flavour might have been fantastic, but it's um, a really easy one to grow. And it's still available, you know, I suppose it's testimony to its... its um, it's qualities, yes. how easy it is to yeah. grow. Lots of good uh, new varieties available. Sweet 100, if you like a, 
as the name suggests, nice, nice Swedish one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sun Baby, which is a yellow tomato. Oh, right. Uh, very good flavour, uh, easy to grow, um, something different. Shirley is a quite a nice one as well, which is would be like the moneymaker, a full-size tomato, um, but a very good flavour. So for me, there's three good ones. Sweet 100, uh, Sun Baby, Shirley, Gardener's Delight is another really good one. There's, you know, say four really good varieties. You've got yellow, you've got red, you've got small fruiting and you've got large fruiting between the four. It's a good time to plant potato or uh, tomatoes at the moment. If you've got a greenhouse or tunnel, start them off now and get them off early. Lovely. Now, somebody has seedlings and they're up by four leaves or I guess they have about four leaves on good. them. Would that be right? Yeah. Um, what is to be done now? Well, the next stage is really to transplant them. They've obviously got them in trays or containers. Mm. Um, the, the, the first leaves that come on them are, are the seed leaves or the baby leaves and then you get what the true leaves, what we call it. So oh. if it's a marigold, you get two plain leaves that come first and then the two new, the fourth, the third and fourth leaf are the true marigold leaves. Okay. So you get that so kind of... it's a bit of, like having milk teeth and uh, exactly, baby teeth. Okay. Exactly, exactly. The same idea. So once they come to that stage, they're quite robust. You then transplant them into trays. Or, so you're really giving them more space. So get yourself a good quality compost. Again, the John Ennis or a GrowWise compost would be ideal. Um, you can transplant them, say, back into other trays or into separate pots. Um, and just simply, lift, ideally lift them by the leaves. Because if you lift them by the stems and damage the stem, the, the seedling keels okay. over. So just lift them by the leaves, transplant them into new uh, compost, Give them a good washing, but be careful on the washing. Like I mentioned last week with the busy lizzies, remember that they're seedly. Mm. So, so yeah, don't, don't be, drown them. No, don't drown them. So ebb on the side of keeping them semi-dry and you'll be surprised how quickly now they'll start to grow. Keep them on a bright windowsill um, and grow them on and, and very quickly, within a couple of weeks, they'll be ready for planting out. Okay. Somebody now, here we go, with a, a selection of moss questions. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Somebody has a shaded area under trees in their lawn, lots of moss. What should they use and what lawn seed will grow there? Well, I would get rid of the moss first of all and you can use the, the Osmo moss remover if it's a large area. Um, if it's a small area, you can use a liquid moss killer just to, to eradicate the moss that's there. And you can actually buy a specific lawn seed for shaded areas. So it's a blend of grasses that will tolerate. They tend to be broader stemmed right. uh, species of grass. Grass, when it's sold, is, it's like um, it's like tea. It's a blend of different seed mixes. And, the, and the, the blend is depending on the condition. So in a shaded area, you'll have broader stemmed, darker leaved uh, grass mixture. So go into your local garden centre. They'll have a box of shaded or lawn seed for shaded areas so it'll state that on the container and that'll be a blend of seed that's specifically for shade areas under trees just areas that aren't getting light and that seed will tolerate um, the conditions far better and and give you a thicker cover which will again help to to keep the moss at bay okay good uh, time to sow, to sow seed actually at the moment at the moment with the sort of temperatures we're getting just yeah. kicking in yeah once we get around the 10 degrees um seed will germinate so 11 to 13 today there you go so it's perfect and conditions. only six to eight tonight and also for listeners that might want to maybe reseed areas of the lawn that that's got a bit patchy or mm. you know now is a really good time you're coming into that time of year and you're not mowing the grass as heavy you know people are probably mowing the grass every two weeks at the moment so getting this the the you're looking at you're probably once a month <laughs> <laughs> Nearly two months. 
<laughs> well, you're coming into that year, that time of year, about two weeks. Uh, so it, it means that, you're, it, that the seed has an opportunity to, mm. re, to reseed and establish itself before you're on there mowing it back. Okay. So um, get out there too. I'll get out. I'll get out. I promise the list to do list is as long. Um, somebody now just on that moss front as well. I know, and I know, I suppose we've been talking about treating uh, the moss with Osmo, but obviously some people will still treat it with sulphate of iron. They're wondering, can moss that has been treated with sulphate of iron be put in the compost bin? You can, yeah. I mean, what's in sulphate of iron is sulphur and, and, uh, and iron, iron content. Yeah. Um, so there's no problem using it. If you lift the moss off, you can certainly use it in a, a compost bin. It'll be there for three or four months decomposing and working its way through. And making up a compost bin, you do want a, a whole mixture of vegetable peels, grass clippings. You can use some moss in it if you wish. Um, you know, trying mm. some shredded newspapers. The more of a mix and the more of a blend, the better the compost you're going to get. And that compost, if you start now, will be ready to use by August, September of next year, of this year. Okay. This year. Um, now, that, that's sulphate of iron. What's sulphate of potash good for? Potash is, anything to do with potash is to do with the flowering Fruit. and fruiting of plants, exactly. It counteracts nitrogen. Nitrogen is there to make things grow. Yeah. Green, Green leaves. So if you're growing cabbages, you want a high nitrogen feed. If you're growing fruit trees, you need a high potash feed. So potash is very good for apples, pears, plums, all your fruiting plants. Mm-hmm. It's actually very good on, on tomato or on... Um, well, it's very good on tomatoes, but uh, but it's very good on potatoes, particularly later in the summer. So at this time of year, you'd use the Vitex Q4, mm. the general purpose fertilizer. But as we come into June, July, as the, the potatoes begin to flower, if you put potash on them, mm-hmm. it helps to dry up the the um, the texture. That gives you a, a, fl- a better flowery potato. And for the listener that mentioned about the tall, the, the potato stems going very tall. Yeah. If you're using a high potash feed, it actually counteracts that. Right. It, it nearly it doesn't stunt the plants, but it just brings the plant. It makes them more turgid, and it makes them uh, tend to grow lower, not as lush. Right. As, uh, so it, it counteracts the effects of nitrogen. It's really good for all flowering and fruiting plants. So if you've got a flowering cherry in the garden, mm. give it a bit of potash. And if you've got fruit trees in the garden, anything flowering or fruiting, potash is very very good for and it's used more towards the middle of the summer okay um, and do you just apply it to the base you simply sulfur pot is granulated uh, it's, it's like white gra- yeah. grains you simply spread it on the base of the okay. plant very good um, one more and then we'll <coughs> take a quick break yeah. um, somebody has a lot of light green weeds in an area and they want to plant potatoes cabbage and vegetable seeds what can okay. we do to get rid of those weeds well we're going to see that over the next couple of weeks and uh, you know I think I said this last week you're going to notice now germination particularly the, the little bit of rainfall as well weeds are going to be an issue so something like the um, weed free 360 would be good a day like today would be ideal to put it on so mix it up in a washing can or a sprayer is the ideal way to, to apply it just apply it to the green vegetation once the leaves are dry on the on the um, weed and it'll take uh, about six to seven days for the weed killer to work okay. it doesn't contaminate the soil so it's ideal for using where you're putting in vegetables and um, and uh, potatoes or whatever or, or even trees and shrubs so use the weed free 360 spray it on with a spray machine just to apply it onto the foliage of the weeds they'll be dead within seven to seven or eight days and uh, you can start digging over the soil and planting in whatever you want to plant that's lovely. Okay, we are going to take a quick little break, but we have lots more to come, so stay with us. 
Now, Pretty good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're running through the questions quickly as the tide, the minute the seconds are ticking. You know, I'll tell you, two minutes can be very short mm. sometimes. Right, let's go back first of all to a question on fruit trees and pots. Somebody is wondering, can we grow them in pots in my garden, in their garden? Do I need, do they need special soil and what types to grow? They're brand fruit new to trees. this whole growing thing. Well, yeah, well, yeah, no, look at the, you, the answer is yes, you can. You can grow fruit in containers. Um, go for varieties of, of apple trees. Uh, for, so first of all, you can grow fruit like apples, mm-hmm. pears, mm-hmm. plums, um, even some of the soft fruit like uh, blueberries? Strawberries. strawberries. Blueberries will do very well in pots. Um, but it, with, with the, certainly with the top fruit, the apples, pears, plums, go for dwarf varieties. So get varieties that have been grafted onto dwarf rootstocks. They're often sold as cornet apples or pixie apples. So they're apple varieties that are ideal for containers because they've got a very uh, small root structure Mm -hmm. and that controls the growth of the tree. So the tree itself will never grow more than five or six feet in height um, and perfect for, say, a large terracotta pot. So the answer is yes, you can. Um, Same principle is applied for growing fruit in the garden in general. So good quality soil. So again, I'd use a soil-based soil like or compost like the John Ennis I mentioned this morning would be very, very good. Add in some slow-release fertiliser when you're planting them. Make sure you pick dwarf varieties. Um, and if you're growing apples, then you need a minimum of three varieties to cross-pollinate. So either buy a family tree, which have has two varieties of apple grafted onto the one tree or get yourself three different varieties. Um, same with the blueberries. Blueberries require acid soil. So when you're planting blueberries, make, make sure you get a bag of ericaceous or lime-free compost, but they do very well in containers. You'll need about five or six blueberry plants in separate pots to give you something worthwhile. Strawberries, very successful as well in pots, window boxes, hanging baskets, pots in general. They'll do extremely well. Plant the plants now. They'll be coming into flower in May and you'll have the fruit any time from the early July onwards. Lovely. So a good time to plant fruit in general in the garden, but they do very well in pots. The other key thing then you'll find is obviously the maintenance of them in the summer in terms of watering them. Yes. Because obviously as they're producing fruit, they'll be sucking up that water yeah. and f- liquid feeding would be important as well. So worth doing, it would be no more a novelty growing them in containers right. than, you know... It, it than growing them in the ground. Yeah, in the ground you obviously get a, they'll be far more productive and you get a bigger crop. And, and you won't have to look after them as much. As much, yeah. 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 But in the, in containers they can be very decorative, lovely on a patio area. And great if you don't have a garden exactly. space. Yeah, exactly. But you want to grow yeah. something. Absolutely. Or you could, you could grow, say, an apple in a, in a pot and surround the base of it with the strawberry plants. Sounds so within the one pot... Pretty. Yeah. So idea. maybe get a family apple tree and get yourself five or six strawberry plants and literally just pot up the thing. Something to do with the kids. Yeah, They'll have strawberries in June and July. And and many of the dwarf trees will actually, the apple trees, will fruit in their first year. Okay, so you don't have to be waiting because I suppose the the, the more traditional varieties, as we've said before, it takes a couple of years for them really to come into fruit. It does for them to settle down, yeah. Okay. Now, here's a a question from a a listener in Knock this morning. They've planted about 50 ivy plants last year, Porek, to trail and eventually cover a concrete slab wall. Now, they were told they were evergreen, but most of them, or a lot of them, have gone quite brown now and they're not trailing very well. They think they're called Golden Child. Golden Child is a lovely variety. It's a nice variegated variety. Well, what I would say to the listeners, have a look at common ivy, look at wild ivy in, anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's all burnt this year. That easterly wind burnt back ivy. Just even the common green ivy growing up the telegraph pole mm. is brown at the moment, as the rushes are, as the brambles are. Yes. So the easterly wind has had a damaging effect on anything evergreen. And ivy gets that scorching when you get that cold temperature. So it's 
it's not that it's nothing to worry about, but it is nothing to worry about. They've only been set back. If you give them a good dressing of fertilizer, and what I would use is something like the Osmo Pro 6 granulated feed, just shake that round the base of the ivies now. Um, are they growing on a wall? Was that the, is that yes, where they're, they're growing? Yes, on a slab. Yes, on a slab wall. On a slab wall. Well, you need, to, you need to pin them to the wall as well. That's important that the stems aren't moving in the wind, that they're actually pinned to the wall with a few electrician clips, something that ad- adheres them to the wall initially. And once the plant then starts to grow, as we come in now, to the end of April and early May and particularly when you feed them mm-hmm. that new growth will latch onto the wall and start to scramble up. So it's a temporary setback. Yes. The easterly winds you can blame. There's no other problem here. If you feed them you'll be amazed within two or three weeks how quickly they'll come into growth and with that new growth if you stick it onto the wall initially it will actually produce aerial roots, they'll suck onto the concrete area and scramble up. And Goldchild, it's a lovely variety, it's a lovely bright uh, variety, so it's well worth looking after. And there are 50 plants here to look after, so one bag of Osmo actually should do that. Pro 6 should feed them all. And maybe, you know, repeat the feed then as we go into June, uh, just to keep them moving, keep them going. Now blame the easterly wind. The easterly wind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it has a lot of damage done on ah, all yeah, sides, no, it has, I think. It's but just scorched them. Yeah, it's yeah, just scorched yeah, them back. Yeah. And you'd see it on common ivy. You'll see it on lots of plants this year. Okay, well, hopefully it won't be too long no, before no, they're, they'll, they'll they're, be back. they're be, back in action. Yeah, 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 they will. Now, somebody has some young cabbages growing in a tunnel. Something right. is nibbling at the leaves. Okay. Now, the person doesn't think it's a mouse right. as they put down base. Do mice <laughs> eat cabbage? No, I don't think so. It was not touched by slugs because they've pellets down. Gosh, they're taking all precautions. Fair play to you. Beatrice, good morning. Uh, what can she use to deter? It's quite severe. Okay, what if yeah, there's a lot of damage that's on the, well, you? That's you, frustrating when you've taken such absolutely. precautions. Absolutely, and, and they tend to be vulnerable when they're small. And as, as the, the cabbage starts to grow, don't worry about a small bit of, of munching on the sides of the leaves. You'll get various pests that will, vine weevils will feed on them, beetles right. will feed on them. So there's lots of garden insects that will feed on the likes of cabbage. Um, and, you know, in general, I suppose the growth has been slow this year. The insects are, you know, anything that's there, they're going to be nibbling at, particularly in a tunnel environment. So if you want to use something just to protect them, you could use a little bit of bug clear. And there's one specifically for vegetables. So look for that in the, in the local garden centre. Just apply that to the foliage and that will eliminate any nocturnal pests. Uh, beetles, uh, uh, vine weevil in particular, that might be damaging the, the foliage. But as I say, once they give it, get a couple of weeks' growth, then they'll be perfectly okay and they'll, they'll grow out of that, that initial damage. Okay. So a little bit of bug clear, there's a specific one for vegetable plants. Look for that, apply it on it. Um, the cabbage is safe to use within, within a day or two of using the, the uh, bug clear soft, but you know, the listener will be using it for another month or six weeks anyway. Okay. Now, somebody has a lawn sowed over two years. Okay. They're looking for a solution for thistles. They're flat thistles that are growing outwards rather than upwards. Creeping They've thistle, cut yeah. the lawn on two occasions already there this year. Go. There's a listener that has cut their lawn oh, twice. Oh, that's it. Gelly. Show me up. Ah. Show me up. <laughs> so, creeping thistle. Um, well, what, the first thing I would do is actually um, feed that lawn. So, give it a good dressing of lawn feed. Mm. Get the thistles nice and soft because they have a taproot like a dandelion and this and leave the lawn alone for about 10 days to to let the fertilizer work let the grass start to grow let the weeds start to grow and then get yourself a um, I mentioned it last week actually the dandelion and daisy spray would be ideal for thistles um, and so get them nice and soft uh, with, with, by putting on put on the lawn feed leave it for 10 days get yourself a, a container of the dandelion and daisy lawn weed killer apply that onto the thistles and that will eliminate them you'll need to leave it for about 3 days or 4 days before you mow the grass um, and you'll know that the thistles are dying because they're creeping at the moment but they'll actually go upwards 
they'll become erect and twisted when you when the weed killer is working. Oh it's right, they're, they're, they're kind of yeah. they're shriveling up. Yeah, they are. Okay, That's, right. Well, the, the way it actually works, that the the, um, the weed killer actually the plant thinks it's getting a huge boost of energy and fertilizer, and it just reacts to that. But it right. actually, the cells erupt and they. That's it. It actually grows out of itself nearly. Right. Grows out of its skin, if if I can put it that way. Interesting. So the, yeah, the cell, the plant actually starts to grow so fast after it's hit with the weed killer that it just it kind of bursts itself. The birth, up. Yeah, the whole thing just explodes nearly, right. and you get that twisting and gnarling of the of the leaves and the stems. So you'll actually see the thistles sitting proud up over the grass. Yeah when the weed killer is working. It's a right. sure sign you've done okay. a good job. So right. my advice is really feed it now and today would be a great day to get a feed on, a straight lawn feed, spring and summer feed. The grass and the weeds will react to that positively. Ten days from now, on a dry day, hit it with your dandelion and daisy weed killer and within three or four days you'll see that. Once you see the, them sitting upright and twist it, you go ahead and mow the grass again. Excellent. Now, a native white beam tree, Sorbus hibernica, Am I saying yeah, that right? Are, yeah. Uh, is it possible to get them? Yeah, they should be. Now, autumn would be a better time in the Beirut season. Um, so if the listener looks for it, kind of September, October sort of period um, would be a good a good time to, to source it. But yes, they are available. Okay. A um, couple of rose questions here, I see. Um, can somebody still prune back rose, roses? There are new buds and leaves have started. So they're wondering, are they a bit on the two? Are they too late? No, no, I know. No, you can still you can still prune roses back and roses are late this year. The, the growth is, is um, well back. So if you've forgotten to... to or haven't cut your roses at this stage, then um, by all means go prune them back as you would normally, feed them well and again within a couple of weeks there's going to be plenty of lush new growth on them. Okay, great. So there's no problem there whatsoever. Yeah, similarly somebody had dug out rose bushes that were about six feet tall but they were clearing a hedge so they're wondering also. So same thing, so you can cut them back. Yeah, if you're, uh, yeah, the... yeah you can t- cut them back, mm. replant it and, and it'll be perfectly okay. Uh, somebody's wondering, are you doing any gardening classes in County Sligo? No. No. Okay, so no, it's only Castle Castle in Castlebar Castle Bar and Turlock and Castlebar and there's 50 places so 09490 It's probably full now anyway. Okay. First 50 people, yeah. Okay, but not a million, well, you know, not a million miles away either. No. Um, now, how, let me see, somebody has dahlias in shed left in pots. Have they, uh, are they, have them, have them out now, sorry, Porik, for a week. Should they be grow, should they be growing by now? Well, no. Well, first of all, with dahlia tubers, I presume they're talking about tubers. They've probably potted them up, and um, but don't keep them outside with the, with the frost at night time. I would pick a try and pick a, a windowsill somewhere, maybe indoors in a spare room. Uh, put them on the windowsill, or put them in the garage with a nice sunny window, greenhouse tunnel. That sort of area mm. is better to grow the dahlias. They are frost sensitive, and we will still get frost through the month of April and and, and for the first week of May. So my advice is to keep them indoors if possible. And as I said, <clears throat> a couple of weeks back with dahlias, the great thing about keeping them indoors is that you get them to sprout early and you get the opportunity then to divide them, to split them like you would a seed potato. So if you keep them inside, it gives you that opportunity. If you've got five or six plants, you can multiply them to ten plants by keeping them indoors and getting them to sprout and literally with a sharp knife, take a nice green shoot and a piece of the tuber and just split it in two and repot it. The other thing to do with the young dahlia shoots when they're four or five, four or five inches mm-hmm. high is to pinch them back. 
again pinch out the centre shoot that encourages a nicer bushier plant and I wouldn't plant them out of doors until the middle of May to be honest right. because you, you still Just have yeah so try and nights. yeah bring them on nurture them on pinch them back have them nice and bushy strong plants as you're co- coming into May Absolutely. and also you're eliminating well you're not eliminating but you're reducing the, the difficulty that you'll have with slugs because if slugs are particularly at this time of year particularly with the moisture now if dahlias are out of doors that early early shoot that comes through the soil the slugs are on it straight away Right. So keep the, I would just nurture them for the next four or five weeks, mm. feed them well, water them well, encourage them to be growing strongly with a view to planting them out then about the middle of May. Spot on. Somebody has blueberry shrubs in pots. They've had them in the pots for a good while now. They're wondering, can they put them in the ground now? Yes, you can. But remember that you, you do need uh, an acid. They like a, a, an acid area, um, so which means an acid type of soil, a low pH soil, mm-hmm. So which means you, sh- you should incorporate. If you can get your hands on some really old organic matter, rotten manure, chicken manure or um, farm manure um, or old mushroom compost, that's acidic in its nature. and that You can't get any better than that right. for blueberries. Failing that, you can buy a couple of bags of ericaceous compost and dig that into the soil when you're planting them. And use an ericaceous feed with um, blueberries as well. So you can buy a rhododendron feed or an azalea feed, which is specifically for acid-loving plants. And that should be incorporated into the compost when you're planting them. But they're perfectly okay out of doors. Uh, Blueberries are a long-term plant and view it that way. So put a bit of time into preparing the soil. You'll have them for 50 or 60 years once you plant them. Space them about a metre and a half apart and kind of keep them in the in the over in the one area as it were so that the bees work through the flowers and pollinate them well now they're also a plant that you can actually mix in a shrub bed if you want right. you know if you had a couple yeah. of spare bo- spots in the shrub bed you could plant them into a shrub border again as long as you prepare the soil the way i've described because they're actually very they're quite decorative when in flower. They've got those nice white bell-shaped flowers, the blueberries obviously through the summer. But in the autumn, a bit like the liquid amber, they go that lovely scarlet autumn colour uh, around October, November. So they go this plummy red colour for the autumn period. So they give you a bit of colour in yeah, the garden do, in the yeah, autumn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they grow like a shrub. They're, they're shrub-like, like, so they're, yeah. you can grow them in a shrub border if you wish as well. They'll grow to about, generally speaking, blueberries are up to about four feet, maybe four and a half feet in height would be the typical size and about the similar in diameter. Oh right, so they're yeah, so quite they're, quite, they're, they're quite, quite chunky, yeah. but they're but still they're not going to take over. For some over reason, the I, I in my head I thought they were a bit like um, raspberries or something like that. No, 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 no. They're they're far be, yeah. more shrubby and bushy, and uh, it grows literally, typically like a shrub, right. like a shrub in the garden. Somebody's wondering: Do Horkins mm. plan out or design gardens for people? Or um, can you put them in touch well, with we, the right we, people? We have, we, we have a service where uh, we we do what we call a call-out service where we'll come out and um, assess your garden, give you advice in terms of what to do and, and we won't do a detailed plan but we'll mm. certainly give you advice. And so that's a, a, a call-out service. Yeah, we have yeah. that service available. Great. Somebody's one now, aloe vera, uh, into houseplants for it. somebody? <laughs> somebody. I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> somebody, yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, go on. A listener. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Warwick. A listener is wondering why their aloe vera uh, is turning brown. They've watered it once since they got it over a month ago um, by sitting it in water for 10 months. Otherwise, it sits on the east-facing window. Okay, so this is, tell me about the watering again. Uh, they've watered it once. Okay. They got it over a month ago. They've watered it once and they put it in sitting in water for about 10 minutes. Okay. So that well, was no, the watering the, yeah, process. The, yeah. yeah, the thing with aloe vera is it's, it's a succulent plant. So it's very similar to a cacti or any succulent. It's about 90% water. And you do have to be careful about the watering. You you allow it. Now, once a month is, is probably a little ill 
infrequent. I would be washing it every two to three weeks at this time of, of year and making sure that the compost doesn't get too wet. So, you know, um, have the compost moist, allow it to dry and then rewater again. So at this time of year, you should be washing about every two weeks um, to keep it healthy. The other thing to do is start liquid feeding it. And if you start liquid feeding it now with something like Baby Bio, a simple indoor liquid feed, that'll bring the brown back to green. Right. So it'll green it back up again. Um, so they do like to be kept semi-dry. Allow the, the When you see the stems beginning to get a bit uh, flat, it's quite an erect plant, so the, lead, the stems tend to stay very upright. Once you see them drooping slightly, that's an indication they need washing. And obviously that'll depend on how warm the room is, how much sunlight it's getting. East-facing, so it's, it's only getting morning sun. So ideally, if you can give it possibly a, a brighter location as well, they do, because they're succulents, they like pretty open, um, bright locations indoors. It's an indoor plant, remember, as well, right. not to be put out until June or July. So really, water about every two weeks. Um, liquid feed it when you water. So every two weeks, give it a liquid feed as well. Keep it in the same pot that you bought it. So it likes to be kind of pot bound or in a tight pot and move it into a quite a bright, as bright location as you can. Um, and there, that's really the trick with aloe vera. Very simple plant to grow, very right. easy to grow it. And, and you can use the gel, you know, for, for cuts yep. and bruises and it'll hold in the fridge for quite a while as well once you cut it. Okay. Oh, sadly, that's all we have time for this morning. Until next week. Until next so remember week, the so hedging yeah. weekend is on. Mr. Osmo, first of all, for the lawn care, he's available today and tomorrow in the garden centre. So if you have any lawn questions, pop down to Turlock. And also our hedging, if people are interested in hedging, again, pop down over the weekend. There's lots to see in terms of mature plants and various types of hedges for seaside areas and so on. And remember the night classes, 09490 very good. It's going to be a busy week, I suspect. Pork, we're all lots, of, all enthused. Um, but we'll be back here again next Saturday, just next after week. nine. Until then, have a good week. Thanks, Deirdre. Good morning. And indeed, thanks to uh, all of you for tuning our way this morning as well. Stand by. Michael Neary is up after the news with Angelina Nugent, which is on the way next.